Hey everybody and welcome back to the Hunt the Wild podcast. I'm your host Adam Bolds and today I'm here with Garrett Benner. Um, he's the modern assassin on Instagram and YouTube. How you doing Garrett? What's happening y'all? What's happening Adam? How you doing man? Not too bad. I'm, uh, I'm glad you took the time to come on. Um, can't wait to get some uh, answers from you. Can you tell yep. everybody a little bit about yourself and where you're from and kind of what you do and that kind of kind of stuff? Yep. Uh, as he said, name's Garrett, uh, better known as the Modern Assassin. Uh, I'm from Maryland, and um, I'm just kind of like outdoors obsessed. And, uh, you know, most of that came into and, and kind of my biggest passion is probably still whitetails. Um, but yeah, man, if it's, if it's outside in the outdoors, I'm, I'm probably into it in one way or another. Um, and I've kind of always just enjoyed, uh, teaching as well. Um, that's a lot of what got me into the video and, and self-filming and everything else. And, um, especially cause in most of the outdoor stuff, I never really had like a mentor or a lot of times, not even like a close group of buddies doing it. So a lot of it, I was just, you know, on the fly learning on my own. So I, I, I like to, you know, I do things a little different a lot of times, but, uh, you know, I do what works for me and what I've learned. And I like just, uh, sharing, my passion, tactics, knowledge, whatever I can with other people. And, um, you know, it, I, I seem to get a good response from it, you know, <laughs> but people just kind of, I guess I got a different vibe than, you know, most of what the hunting community puts out there. And, you know, I don't try to be no one I'm not, or, you know, and, and really impress nobody. And none of y'all are paying my bills or sleeping next <laughs> to me at night. So, you know, I just do me and that's all I'm, I'm worried about, you know? Yeah, another uh, another guest I had on the show it was like, man, you got to get Garrett on. You got to get Garrett on. So I had never heard of you, but I, I I went to your Instagram page. And I I clicked it, and the first thing I saw was raw, like no bullshit. Raw, real, no bullshit, man. That, and I that's was like, man, <laughs> I like this guy already. So I started scrolling through your stuff. I was like, man, he's got some good content. So yeah, I did listen to. Uh, you're probably talking about Jason, right? Yeah. Um, uh -huh. You know, anybody that didn't listen, go check that episode out. Um, jason's uh he, he's hardcore he, he's he he does the shit for real man i got a lot of respect for that dude yeah he definitely knows his stuff we had a good yeah. chat I, i've got to get him on here for um a second part we actually ran out of time we we lost track before we knew it it was 11 o'clock at night <laughs> dude it's easy to go a long time when you got good conversation and, and good knowledge you know he's not going to give you just some filler content like dude knows what he's talking about like i said i got a lot of respect for jason so so I, um, a lot of my guests or a lot of my listeners, I should say, are kind of into like the self-filming and want to hear about that stuff. Cool. I know that cool. you're into that stuff. So I, I'm kind of diving, getting my toes wet in it. I did a little bit last year and I'm trying to do a little more this year and you know how that goes, but, um, I kind of wanted to have you lay some stuff out. I kind of struggled with what to buy, um, where to buy it, how much money to spend. Like, it's all just kind of <laughs> like, there's no really like outline, you know, you just kind of like searching yeah. and hoping you get the right equipment and hoping that you spend money on the right lens or the like right camera. So how did you get started in self-filming? And well, you know, all those things you just talked about right there are for filming the hunt and you put how much time and thought and money and everything else to, into that. 
and none of that actually helps you kill an animal or successfully hunt you know what i mean if you think yeah. about it, it helps you get the film so it's kind of funny my first advice to people that want to start self-filming my advice is usually uh don't <laughs> um <laughs> because like i'll be i'll be honest there there's a lot more animals that should be up on my walls that i've got video of instead um i've blown hunts because of film and everything else but you know that being said I love it. I wouldn't change it. Even knowing all of that and even going through the pain in the ass of setting everything up and charging the batteries and clearing the cards, I still do it every hunt because it, it, it's part of the passion to me. It's part of the hunt. You know, there isn't really hunting without my camera. It's kind of always all I've done, all I've known. Um, but I guess to take it back to your question, like where to start um, is simple. Um, again, you have so much to think about in just being successful in the hunt, let alone successful filming too. So you don't want to start with these, you know, extra screens and maybe not even an extra microphone and all this, all this crazy shit. Keep it simple to start, you know? Um, just a basic camcorder. Uh, I'm actually a, a huge fan of the Sony. I believe it's the AX53. It's about a $1,000 camcorder, so it's not necessarily cheap. But, I mean, I have dropped the thing out of the tree. I have had it in dust, in rain, in mud, in 100 degrees, directly in the sun to, you know, 10 degrees on the arm in, in the ice. Like, and that thing's function for me. It also has a uh, night vision, which is pretty cool for you're doing your in the morning interviews and everything. And you want to have a, the bright light shining on you and all that shit. Um, but yeah, simple. And the other thing I would say to anyone that wants to start filming their hunts is uh, obviously if you're filming your hunt, you're going to want to edit your footage and put something out. I, I would think that's kind of the goal is get a second angle. I don't care if it's from a GoPro or if it's just from your phone in a clamp in the tree or a phone clamped on your bow. Um, here's the thing. Like if a deer walks in and stands behind this tree for five minutes before it steps forward and you take the shot, what do you do? You don't, I, I tell you, I'm not going to sit there and watch your video of a deer just standing behind that tree for five <laughs> minutes, nothing. But if you have a second angle, a camera angle looking down on you from the tree, or you even just have your phone looking back at you, you can cut to that angle and then right away skip to where the deer starts walking out. So having a second angle makes all the biggest difference in when you try to edit and put something together. And I'm one of those people, I'm sorry, I know a lot of people do it, and this is going to shit on some people, but it is what it is. I can't stand remakes. Like, I know this dude only has one camera. So if he's got a picture of making the shot, how's he getting a picture of him clipping his release on? And how's he getting this picture of him, like, looking oh. down and drawing right back? And <laughs> that's all Hollywood, man. That That's, that's like, uh, raw, yeah. real, no bullshit. That, I'm not into that. So... Uh, if I don't get the footage of it actually happening in the moment for real, then I don't get it. So that's why I would say a second angle is, is the biggest thing. 
um, when it comes to trying to make something quality that other people want to watch too. You know, you know, now if your goal is just to make some video for yourself, you know, you, you don't really got to think about all that. Um, uh, and I will tell you, filming my hunts has made me so much more successful in the fact that I can go back and I can watch the footage. Uh, man, why, why did that buck get weird all of a sudden? And, and, you know, maybe I'll notice watching the footage. Oh, his nose is twitching. Oh, he started to catch wind there. That's why he was getting weird. Or, you know, uh, I might hear something in the background like, oh, that's someone banging back at the barn back there. That's what put him on edge a little bit. But while you're there and in the moment, you may not catch all these intricacies. And being able to go back and watch footage and watch deer behavior and know what happened, what went down, and then watch deer behavior it's it's silly sometimes i almost feel like i know what the deer are gonna do before they do it like i, it, I it's kind of weird i i often it, it it freaks me out sometimes when i'm like all right this deer is gonna come right here as soon as it gets behind that tree that's when i'll be able to draw that's when i'll do that and it'll play out as if i wrote the script um and a lot of that is watching deer behavior the other thing about filming your hunts, too, is if you get the impact and what happens. Um, I shot a doe the other night. I mean, blew right through her. Great shot. Um, but on the exit, it came out right at the diaphragm line. And the diaphragm plugged the hole. I was steep angle. So this deer did not bleed at all. Like, even once I found her, I did not have blood. It was a perfect shot. She didn't go 55 yards, but me having that camera seeing where she first took off. And then I could kind of see, Oh, she went in a straight line almost with this big ass tree. I was able to just walk to that tree, walk my line and say, well, here's a beat down trail. Oh, that that's, that's torn track right there. That's a running track. And there she was laying 10 yards further dead. Um, you know, I just got my girlfriend in a hunt in this season and she, she just killed her first deer. Uh, she shot a five point buck the other night and, um, you know, we, I was questionable about it. She's only shooting about 35 pounds and I didn't have the best view of it from where we were in the blind. Um, you know, cause I wanted us to be brushed in pretty well because I wanted that deer to be, you know, 18 yards or closer basically. And she got the shot at about 16 yards. And when that deer turned, you know how like when you turn on a bike or something, you lean into it. Yeah. <laughs> well, when that buck turned and took off, it made the arrow look like it was pretty high. Like I mm. thought she hit it pretty high. I reviewed the footage. I stepped it back and I saw the impact. I was like, oh, babe, that's a dead deer. Like, that's perfect. You <laughs> hit the liver probably got into long i said he is dead it's not a question of whether you killed him it's just how long a drag up the hill am i gonna have so <laughs> you know but going back and watching that footage gave me complete confidence of what my next move was and, and what exactly happened with that deer 
I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that too. I know like sometimes when you're not self-filming and you shoot and you're like, man, it's a bad shot. You're like trying to play it over as fast and fast as you can in your head. Cause you don't want to forget it. Right. You're like, Oh, where was the impact? Where was the impact? Man, was it high? Was it low? It's like, man, it's nice to just flip out that screen and look at it and know, yes. know that, you know, if you need to back out, if it was, you know, that bad that you need to come back the next morning or how did you, do you remember the first moment you like, picked up a camera and you're like, I'm going to start filming my hunts. Um, yeah, it didn't take me long, dude. I, you know, I, I, when I was growing up, I was hardcore into skating and everything before, uh -huh. before, uh, hunting. So, you know, me and my buddies, we were kind of, we were filming skateboard and we were filming fights. We were filming doing dumb shit like jackass almost before jackass <laughs> was a thing, you know? And, so I was just used to doing it, but you know, the cameras were this big, bro. Like it was like a cinder block. <laughs> and I remember one of my first hunts, I actually went in and took bungee cords and like bungee corded uh, a cinder block size camera to like the arm of this ladder stand. And I was in and I was like, all right, well, if the deer walks in that one spot, I got it. I just, <laughs> you know, but I was trying, um, it didn't take long. As soon as I fell in love with bow hunting, it, you know, the, the filming picked up pretty much right after. And, uh, my parents actually got me my first, um, compact camcorder that used the little mini DV tapes, oh, yeah. um, for my college graduation. And that's when, uh, so that was 2000 and, five yeah i was on a five-year program 2005 <laughs> and um you know i've filmed every hunt since then like literally every hunt since then that's cool man i bet you i bet you really enjoy going back and looking at that footage from like 2005 and stuff and seeing your like your progress growing yeah and it, and stuff it is cool and you know it it I, I wish I had put more out and I, I say this all the time, but I'm so busy acquiring content and working and everything else that I just don't get the time that I want to edit. And when I put something out, I don't want to just put shit together. Like I like to get creative. Almost everything I do, I have things that'll take me hours to create just for it may only be a 10 second little like blip or something but you know i just get uh, i just get immersed in the process but i mean i have i honestly i don't even know like how many dozen deer i have on film and uh, dozens and and i've probably put like four videos out or something <laughs> i mean like uh, uh like even you know this big stag here on the wall i have epic video of him and i have like a i don't know it's like you see him for like five seconds in one of my highlight videos but i have an epic i mean all like great story great shot perfect video several angles everything i just ain't put it together you know one of these big bucks i got on the wall over here i actually had to jump on it and that that was a whole mess too, but you know I haven't put that video out. Not that, that shit's wild. I just I don't know. It's it's hard for me to get things out because I'm always acquiring more. You know. How do you feel about um, for anybody that wants to self film and maybe put out their stuff like quality over quantity? I know you touched on it a little bit. Are you you going more for for quality? I always have, yeah. Um, and honestly, 
I would say put it out there, you know, um, because one of the things I would do while working on something, I'd learn something new and then I'd want to go back and redo everything I had already done because I've learned something new. And looking back, honestly, what I should have done is put out what I had, use what I've learned on the next one and just, you know, it's kind of like, you know, after you shoot a buck, you want your next one to be a little bit bigger, right? It's kind of the same way it should be with your videos. You know, you shoot one, you 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 want to strive to make that next one just a little bit better. And, you know, or on par, you know, you never want to really take steps backwards, I guess is what I'm saying. But it doesn't mean that it's it's not good enough or, you know, get it out there. You know, that's especially now, you know, that's the way things have become is um you know, YouTube used to be different. It was like more for lengthy videos. And now you got guys, they'll post a video of, oh, I shot 10 arrows in my backyard practice in the day. And it's a YouTube video. Yeah. Like, what? But uh, so, yeah, but eat, people eat it up, you know? So, yeah, get the content out there. That's what I would say. And, you know, just try to build your skills as you progress. Yeah, it's definitely content creation is like a like a learning process too. I feel Absolutely. that way, way about stuff. Like every time I make a video or or something for Instagram or whatever, I just feel like, oh yeah, I learned this last time. I'll change this or right. Yeah, you know, and it's 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 a different game now too. Like you know, like even the mini DV camera, um, and even cameras just up till like a couple years ago. Like my hunting started 15 minutes late and ended 15 minutes early because of camera light you know and then yeah if i had an hour's worth of footage well it takes me an hour to get that onto the computer and you know so it's not like now you and you you had what 40 minute battery and 40 minutes of memory on a card or a tape or something hopefully now it's you know you got hours of battery life you got you can get these giant cards that that can hold hours of hd footage and you can transfer it in minutes i mean it's a completely different game now like i mean you can even transfer it directly to your phone and you know i got i know guys they'll be sitting there in the goose blind they'll get some footage They'll transfer it to their phone. They'll have it edited and put some music to it. And they've got a, a, an Instagram video up and we're still in the blind. Um, <laughs> it's a different game, you know, it's totally different. I, uh, that's funny. You mentioned the cards. That's something I, I didn't have last year, but I invested in this year as bigger cards because I got tired of like coming, like it might just film a bunch and maybe not shoot something, but I would have a lot of footage. I have to come home and dump it on my computer. Now I'm like, yep. And well, then, and then yeah, eventually you got to go left. back through everything you dumped and clear mm -hmm. out everything that's not worth anything. And you're doing all this and you're not even actually getting any editing or content <laughs> built. You're just kind of cataloging. Yeah. You got to um, keep it all super organized too. Cause you're like, Oh man, when was that? Was that October? Or was that September? So I'm like right. dating everything. And yeah, I'm pretty good at uh, like dating and cataloging everything I've got because, um, you know, I, I do recall on it and like, you know, in, in my podcast kills it, you know, if I'm saying, oh, I was watching this deer and this happened. If I have footage of it, I plug that into where you're watching the live footage of whatever I'm talking about. I mean, I have footage for most of the shit I'm doing. So it's, you know, there's a lot to plug in. Um, could you uh, just to switch maybe over to gear a little bit? 
I kind of want to know what you carry with you. What what camera and what camera arm? Because I I've got a I've got one camera arm for my um, my climber, but I've been looking at some other ones. So I'm just kind of curious on on what you you have. Like, are you carrying fiberglass or steel or? Well, I used to. I've I've looked at them all, if not owned them all, um, mm-hmm. and for a long time, and that's i mean if you didn't know i i put my own camera arm out um i don't know if you were leading to that or if you didn't know i I actually didn't know that yeah yeah the uh the assassin reach camera arm um i i looked at everything i used everything and i kind of built my own franken arm and I used this thing that I had custom created pieces for as well as used pieces from two or three different arms and created my own that I was using for years. And um, eventually I I was like, you know what? I should step up to something a little bit more stable. I kind of want to up my quality a little bit. So then I looked to fourth arrow and um, it was just a giant hunk of shit. I'll be honest. And I lost a, a knob and they wouldn't sell me a part, oh, just a single you, knob. Are you talking about the little knob that, um, the, ten, the, yeah, the, yeah, the little tension knob. I yeah. actually dropped that out of my stand the first time I used so, it. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I kind of lost my shit with them. And, mm. and I was like, you know what, if y'all ain't going to sell me a knob, I'm going to make sure I cost you at least a hundred camera arms. Cause you won't sell me one fucking knob. So, <laughs> Not only did I talk some shit on, but then I, I made my own camera arm and, um, you know, I've sold over a hundred of them and, and now their newest camera arm is a direct copy off of mine. So, which is whatever. Cause it, you know, I'm not pushing it like they do. They're all marketing, but mine's still better is what it is. But yeah, it, you know, I look at flattery is the best form of, uh, imitation is the best form of flattery and they totally copied me. So, um, yeah, the assassin reach setting up a camera arm, carrying a camera arm and everything else was the biggest pain in self-filming the weight of it, the bulk of it, the noise of it, the setup time of it. All of that is what made self-filming so difficult. So the base of my camera arm, it weighs one pound. It can strap to a tree. It can strap to a limb. It can strap to a fence post. It can strap to a log on the ground. It is completely versatile and leveling to where you can put it on a limb, a tree. It don't matter. Um, It's got a cam buckle, so it's nice and quiet. No big ratchet strap. Everything unlocks and moves with a lever. No extra tools like the fourth arrow. Um, The arm weighs one pound, and it is actually solid aluminum bar. It's smaller diameter than almost everyone else uses but they use hollow tube hollow tube it takes up a larger footprint you know in your pack and packing it and everything and what happens when you hit something hollow Mm -hmm, so i've got uh you know it's half inch aluminum bar bar stock Mm -hmm. um with teflon washers in between so it's quiet as can be and um I'm a little biased, but it's the best camera camera arm out there on the market. How uh, how long has it been out? I I honestly had never heard of it. I'm, I'm learning all kinds of stuff tonight. Yeah, I don't usually um, push products on here or anything, but I I do want to know how long it's been out. How um how long is it as well? 
Uh, it's let's see. It, it's been out. This is going on the third season, right? Okay. Yeah, this is going on the third season that will be out. Um, the arm is actually a three section instead of a two, and it's a a ten inch and then two seven inch pieces. Okay. Um, and then with the base that gets you off the tree depending on the angle of the tree and how much your leveling has to be anywhere from about four to six inches further so you're looking at a you know 28 to 30 inch reach um you know the reach camera arm and the reason it's a three segment is you know if you've ever tried self-filming and you have you know you you got your camera kind of here and you need to go around you to shoot this side or whatever, instead of trying to turn and squeeze it behind you and behind uh -huh. the tree, I can literally take that first section out here, second over third, and I can film behind me. Um, or I can wrap the camera arm completely around the tree if I need to. Um, actually I have a video on YouTube about that shows how I use it. If I'm tree stand hunting and how I use it, if I'm saddle hunting. Yeah, I'm. I definitely have to check that out. Where can people buy your camera arm and go to uh, the themodernassassin.com? And right now, I think I'd have to. I'm pretty sure it's two thirty nine, and then there's like a strap upgrade. Okay. Um, you know, the strap upgrade just gives you a longer strap. Um, I personally, uh, I'll just be honest. I use a different strap than what comes with it. Um, but you know how guys are in this industry and everything. Um, everyone wants to self-modify and, mm -hmm. you know, do everything their own. So what we came up with is a strap that is functional. Um, you know, it works great. There's nothing wrong with it. The strap you get, it works great, but it's cheap too. So okay. you're not paying you're not paying money. You're paying for the camera arm. You're not paying for the strap. The strap works perfect. But like I said, guys, most of the guys in this type of industry and the self filmers and running gunners, they like to mod. They, they like to do things their own way. They like, they have things that they like. So I tried to give you a, a completely usable functional option, but it's also cheap at the same time. So you're not tying your money up there. What are some like downfalls? Like, do you ever get sick of self-filming? Are you like, man, All I'm not time. taking the camera. I'm not taking the camera tonight. I'm not taking it, but you grab it anyway. Don't you? Every time, all the yeah. time and every time. Um, I've actually, I have slacked off in it. Some as far as like a lot of the B roll content and stuff like that. Um, cause honestly, I've just been working a lot too. And you know, my, my, employment status and financial shit and everything's changing to where I'm, I'm working more on my own. So I'm grinding a little harder with that and everything too. But, um, yeah, man, it, it's difficult to just constantly do it, but would you decide one day you're not going to take your bow? <laughs> Definitely I mean, not. No. Well, I, why you go, you go all these times. You didn't see anything or get a shot to pass 10 times. Shouldn't you just leave it home this time? The one time you do is the time, you know, you're going to need it, you know? And I, I've always felt that, well, if I leave the camera home tonight, this is when I'm going to shoot my biggest ear. Or this is when I'm going to get the perfect footage or when I'm going to have 
you know, maybe not the biggest buck, but I'm going to get to watch him make scrapes and just be a buck and do cool shit. And so, yeah, I take it every time, man. Every time. Yeah. Sometimes I, well, most of the time I'm like, God, I hate dragging this thing around and I'll film everything and I'll bring it home and I'll look at it on a computer and I'm like instantly just like so glad that I filmed it. It's just so fun to look back at everything and it you is see a lot and, of um, stuff that you miss. Yes. And it's so cool. Like, you know, I, I go out to Ohio and film with a couple of my buddies out there. Uh, Keith and Ryan shout out to Keith. He just dropped like a one ninety. Like Damn, nice. Ugh, this thing is stupid. But, um, you know, I, I go out and I hang out and they film me. I film them and like, you know, I call my Ohio fam and it's, it's cool to just, you know, when I get out there, they show me the footage they've got this season and I show them the, the footage that I've gotten so far and the kills I've got so far. And then, Oh dude, did I ever, did we ever get to watch the footage from last year together? Or probably not. Cause I climbed out the fucking tree and had to pack and leave and come home. Cause I stayed two <laughs> days later and I was supposed to anyway. So it's, you know, it's always fun to go back through it with friends and everything too, but you can also just learn so much, even on your unsuccessful hunts, just dear demeanor and behavior. You, you can learn so much when you know what happened in a situation and then analyze it and, and yeah, I mean, literally take a different perspective on the situation. Um, yeah. Do you um you ever feel like you're on vacate on vacation like when you're just rocking the camera and you're not rocking the camera and the bow? Feel a little less stressed, or you feel more stressed that you got to get the footage for the other guy? Honestly, I usually feel more stressed because I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, but not yeah. having the bow too, like I'm like, oh man, I'm forgetting something, or I'm doing so. It, it almost <laughs> makes me more panicked. Um, I can see but, that. Uh, yeah, I I I've. Dude, I love it. I love just being behind the camera too, because if I'm behind the camera, I'm with one of my good buddies mm -hmm. or, or, or my girlfriend now, you know, I'm like with someone I want to spend time with and in a place I want to be and doing something I want to do. And so if I'm just filming, I'm, I'm equally as jacked, even if I'm not pulling back the bell, um, you know, and now I've even started filming with Tim Wells which is mm -hmm. is pretty awesome he, he he's a cool ass dude and um if y'all are wondering he is as talented as he he looks on tv uh, the, <laughs> when he decides he wants something and he bears down on that bow you do not want to be on the other end um <laughs> it, it, yeah so i've had a lot of fun filming him with um you know bow fishing and stuff like that um supposed to actually even go to africa with him he invited me to africa but everything that was going on with covid and the new variant and different parts of the world shutting down and it just didn't work out for me this time but you know he and i've got some other things still planned too so re really looking forward to working with tim yeah that's cool i uh i listened to one of your uh podcasts with uh jj lawhorn and oh yeah yeah i, I remember JJ. you were talking on there about i think you had just got back from a trip from bow fishing with uh tim or something i can't remember but uh yeah it's pretty cool stuff yeah a he, he's a cool dude it's a lot of um, fun i i there's another guy that does a podcast blue river bow hunting and he does a lot of self-filming too and we've kind of talked back and forth about like editing during the season and putting content out during the season or holding it off until um 
maybe after the season, how do you deal with that and like time management? Do you like come home and you got to like edit it and get it all out? Or you wait until January to put out your, <clears throat> your September, October bow hunt. I, sometimes I feel like people want to follow along as, as the, as you're doing stuff, but I don't know. I'm the absolute worst with this shit. Like I am the worst. Um, I have an epic podcast that I recorded uh, what with my buddy Nick and the uh, captain from Florida, uh, arrow assault bow fishing from blow blow gunning and shooting iguanas and shit. And I've had this podcast recorded forever, and I start working on, but I've got so much video to plug in with it that I just haven't got it done yet. But to answer your question, like I said before, get it out there. You know, people are interested right now like what's happening right now and if you got people that enjoy following you you know they want to know what's up with your season they and if they see a picture of that deer they they they're gonna want to see the video while you can and i know i am the absolute worst with it um so i would say if you can get it out there but at the same time you know if 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 this is your window, like if you got the right weather and you've got the right moon and the deer are doing the right things, don't waste your time on that computer right now. Get in the tree, you know. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Could we uh let's jump to some tree stand stuff because um you like to stay mobile, right? Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I know mobile there's different opinions on on who's the best and and what to buy, and I just try to I try to stay um in the middle i try not to be biased about anything or so i want to hear what you like and uh kind of what you're looking for when you pick out a stand is it weight uh i mean um there, there's a lot of factors but you know i guess before I dive deep into it that to me that's almost like saying what's the best bow and the answer is for who mm-hmm if there was just one bow that was the best, there would only be one bow and every other would be exactly like it. What feels good in my hand and what I shoot is not necessarily what's going to feel the best in your hand and you're going to shoot the best. So the same with the tree stand. What, wh who's the best? What's the best? What, for who? For what? Um, for what I do, I want to be as light as possible as I can compact as possible as i can as mobile as possible as i can and as versatile as i can and so that i start with the lone wolf custom gear system now that's not going to be the best for everybody because you're paying a premium price you're paying a premium price for a premium product i mean it's like well what's the best car oh go buy a 350 uh, f350 diesel yeah, well, I can't afford that. Well, you know, so it's yeah. not the best thing for you. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely, I, I kind of before the 0.5, the Lone Wolf DeQuisto series 0.5 even came out. I did a podcast with Cody and I said, Man, I, I think I'm going to do something a little silly this season. I said, I'm going to hunt with the 0.5 and my saddle. Um, People are like, why would you carry a tree stand if you're using a saddle? You know what I mean? And and to me, the saddle's sometimes the better option. Sometimes the stand is the better option. And to me, my saddle is a versatile safety harness. 
Sometimes I never once hook it up like a saddle. I'm just using it as a safety harness and my linesman and everything else. Sometimes, depending how I get in that tree, I never once sit down on the tree stand or put my back against the tree like you would a traditional style tree stand hunting. Um, with the 0.5, I, I can get that 0.5 in just about any tree. It, it my, my saddle hunting platform weighed about four pounds. Okay. So now I have a tree stand that is one of the best made pieces of equipment, locks ridiculously tight, and it has a seat and a bow holder and a platform big enough that I can fully turn around and I'm not always just stuck to my saddle for an extra one and a half pounds. Yeah, I mean, so to it's me, a no-brainer to me to too. Me, it was a no-brainer <laughs> for that one and a half pounds. And actually... Now I carry one less rope and one less carabiner and everything I did before, because now I'll be hooked up with my linesman belt. Once I have that stand in and I'm on the stand and I know it's solid, now I'll hook it up as my tether. So it's one less mm-hmm. rope I'm carrying. So there's probably half a pound there, you know, and, and it, it really, and the, the 0.5, the lone wolf stands, they work as a frame pack. Mm-hmm. So it actually distributes the weight even better and carrying that extra pound because of the way it distributes the weight. I feel like I'm carrying less. Um, yeah. Uh, I personally like double sticks also. Um, I like to be able to have both feet on the top and even, and I also stretch sometimes and like to really grab up and really pull and, and just having, you know, that kind of double platform to pull and heave versus you know, staggered sticks. Um, I prefer them as well, but again, a, it's preference. Are you a tall or a short guy? Just I'm like five ten. Okay. Yeah. So and I use, uh, I never, I never used aiders. I t- I tried all the aiders that were out there and I always found that sure I can get higher while carrying less in, but the amount of energy that I would burn while trying to keep myself stable and keep myself quiet and everything, I would end up sweating more. A lot of times making Mm -hmm. even more noise. And at the end of the day, it would just sketch me out to where I'm going to hurt myself while I'm out here by my fucking self. So I didn't use aiders at all until I started using the lone wolf, uh, cable aiders, um, Mm -hmm. being a stiff cable. It's just such a simple idea. I can't believe like, of of course, Andre thinks of it like that. And like (laughs) everyone else is like, Oh, I got paracord string and I got this, you know, mountain rock climbing shit and whatever. But, uh, having something stiff, like a cable aider to where you don't have to look it's there to stick your foot in. You can feel it. You're not fumbling around. Um, yeah, they're pretty. They're they're pretty awesome. Why do you feel like it's so? I I know a lot of people are not mobile. So why is it so important? Just for anybody that doesn't know. I um. So I guess this will just kind of be like a whole evolution story of my hunting here. Um, okay. When I first started hunting, it was with my grandfather and just going to some local farms and stuff like that. 
And, you know, as I got a little older and I started driving, I wanted to start going to public lands. One of the first time I went to a public land, I got a parking ticket from parking in, you know, a spot that I thought I was able to. I had always seen people park before, didn't realize. So that kind of burnt me off. And then I just had some other issues a couple times early on with public land. And it kind of pushed me away from it. And so I spent a lot of time on some smaller pieces even. And I I, I can't blame them. But I, I, I Full, I give full respect to the Drury brothers before I say this, but, you know, watching things like the Drury brothers and everything, it was almost seemed more like, well, how do you put the deer right here? And how do you just keep the deer here and whatever, whatever. So I spent a lot of my time kind of focusing on, okay, how do I get deer here more than going and learning to go to where the deer are. And I was also limited by property boundaries. So it wasn't that I, you know, just was too lazy to continue to, or think I didn't have to, I would find the best spots and I would do what I had to do to make them better. And for many years, all I did was make them worse, <laughs> you know, just not knowing what I was doing and adding pressure and everything else. And I, I was making some of my good hunting spots worse. Um, and transitioning from, I got tired of putting so many hours in the woods and kind of always having the same expectation too. you mm -hmm. know, when you go sit in the same spot, like I, I love hunting a set for the first time, a new spot for the first time, that excitement of the unknown, like you have an idea. There's a reason you set up there, or at least I would hope when you make your set, you were set there because of this sign and this wind and your expectation. That's why you're set there. You know, like you don't want to necessarily go sit on the food in the morning. They've probably been on the food all night and you're likely going to blow them out. You want to be back toward the bedding. So they're coming from the food. If you're hunting in the morning versus in the evening, you don't want to go right into the bedding area in the evening because they're probably in the bedding area as you're going in. You know, you want to be near the food to catch them coming out. So you always want to have kind of a reason, obviously, while you're why you're set up where you are. And I just, yeah. So I went from a lot of that private land, small small portion, always hunting the same spot, to um, now I really love getting more mobile. And just, you know, it, I, I put less pressure on my, my private spots and everything else. Um, yeah. I, and deer move like what deer are eating in August and, and, and July when you see them out in these bean fields and they're, you know, big <laughs> bachelor groups and they're all fuzzy and velveted. And you're like, oh man, there's. I got to get permission there. There's six giant bucks that just live right here on this guy's bean field. <laughs> uh, I get September. They're probably not there. I mean, you know what I mean? Things yeah. move. Crops get harvested. The deer move. The deer do different things. So why are you going to say stay in the same spot and do the same thing? It's easy this, to get caught up in that. Just it is. The same spot it is. And, but, and, uh, and it's easy to, you know, there are some 
Like if you just have a natural pinch or a natural mm-hmm. funnel, it it may not matter as much when or what the deer are eating at that time. Like the, they're going to use that funnel or that pinch. But you know, if if you have a bean field and it's starting and it's yellow, they're they're probably not eating the beans. You want to be looking toward the acorns, not just sitting over the beans that you saw them eating while it was green. And if you say, oh, well, the deer are on all, all the acorns and then the beans are completely brown now and the acorns are no longer falling, you know, you, you, you want to move with where you're seeing the deer, where you're seeing the hot sign. Um, and that's really how you catch the more mature deer slipping up is catching them in a place that they've never had anything to be alerted or aware of. I was a, I was a lot like you. I grew up hunting, you know, stands that had been there for 10 or 12 years and going in and hunting. That's just how I, how I learn. And I think most people do though. I I think that's, you know, I think that's how most people learn that that's kind of the old school American hunting tradition. You know, (laughs) the, the farmers getting together for opening day of shotgun and everything else. Um, you know, there's always been some hardcore bow hunters and everything, but I think the evolution of equipment and knowledge and, you know, that's part of the, the modern assassin is, you know, I'm using, you know, new age bows. I'm not using just a stick and a string like you used to. I'm using on X to scout a place before I even get there, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like using these modern advantages you have to go do the oldest primitive skill you can think of, which is, hunting um you know that's kind of just where the two combine for me and and that's what i do is you know and i think that's what's led to the success of uh a lot of bow hunters um and bow hunting becoming a bigger thing and and people really knowledgeable about animals um and being able to have a better deer herd and and bigger deer you know um it's it's yeah it's adding in all the the modern advantages with it too do you think uh technologies um created or brought more people to bow hunting absolutely uh i think so um yeah the 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 knowledge um you know i i always say use the hate to educate um you know no matter what you do you're gonna have some people that don't like hunting and that's the way it is but when someone, you know, calls you a piece of shit or animal killer, wh- whatever it be, you know, don't don't jump back on them because all you're doing then is you're making them hate hunters. Just you, you're giving them exactly what they thought. Oh, he's just a dumb hick, you know. Fuel in the fire. Exactly, you are. And instead, now that you have their attention and you have them emotionally invested, educate them. Teach them something. Teach them something about you. Teach them something about the environment and why you're doing it and what it does. And it's not, hey, it's not the same as looking at the deer that are eating in your neighborhood backyard every night. It, it's not the same type of animal, you know. It, um, yeah. So use the hate to educate, and I, I think social media and technology and everything else is given the platform to open people's eyes much broader 
Um, you know, like my girlfriend, she would have never, she would have never been hunting. Um, but she's got to see it and understand it. And, you know, me teach her about it. And, you know, she loves eating deer meat and decided, you know what, I, I like eating the meat. I understand why this is necessary. I understand why this is healthier. Um, I'm not quite comfortable with just some random person killing an animal and packaging it for me. I, I feel like if I'm going to kill and eat an animal, I should kill and prepare that animal. And um, it gives you a much deeper connection with your food. It gives you a deeper connection with the understanding of what's happening outside your door and with these animals that you see. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think technology uh, has opened a lot of eyes. Social media, it's opened a lot of eyes. It's given a platform for, I mean, even look at you and I talking right now and who may get some education from this. You don't know. And, that, and that's another thing that I, I should mention is, when you make these posts or these podcasts or whatever else, you're generally affecting more people than you know. Um, how many Instagram pictures do you look at a day and how many do you actually click like on? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I've had people reach out to me and send me pictures and messages. Uh, like I had a kid send me a message. He, he, he got a bow and killed his first deer, sent me a message and was like, I've listened to your podcast. I've watched your videos. I read every one of your Instagram posts and listening to you is what helped me get this first deer. I used to hunt with my dad. He passed away before I ever got to do it myself. And I never had someone to teach me. I was blown away and I did not know him. He had, I had never once seen him comment. He had never direct messaged me to ask anything. I had wow. never seen his name in a like. Like this, this person was completely new to me. And I had, in a way, changed a piece of his life and in a deep connection. And I, I was blown away by it because I, I, I had no idea my posts were making an impact like that. That's amazing. Um, it really was. It was really eye-opening to me. Like you never know who you're influencing, who you're impacting and, and what you can really be doing. Do you remember where he was from? Like, um, state wise, I'd have to, I'd have to look, it's been a couple years actually, yeah. but, um, you know, it, it's cool. And it, I have, I get a lot of stories like that actually, you know, and it, it, it is pretty cool when you can help someone. Um, and that's a lot of why I do it. You know, even friends of mine that I get into hunting a lot of times when they get their first year, I think I'm more jacked than they are. And it's, it's because, <laughs> yeah. wow, I got to share what makes me feel alive. I got to share that with you. And like, to me, that gets me just, just as amped and fired up, you know? Yeah. I got to experience that with my wife last year. She shot her first doe and awesome. Uh, she, uh, made perfect heart shot, but we couldn't hardly find any blood. I, I struggle to see blood during the day because I'm red, green, colorblind, but I uh -huh. can see it really well at night, but it was daytime and we're looking for blood and couldn't find blood. And I'm like, it's a good shot. She finally finds blood. And she's like, you can tell that she's just like on that downward spiral of like, Oh no, <laughs> like I wounded it. Like yep, she's yep. like on that edge of falling off, but we find blood and sure enough, didn't go, I don't know, 50, 60 yards. And, 
yeah, I mean, that's just a great feeling to be with somebody when they get their first deer. I want to touch a little bit on, um, we were talking about meat and like, you know, killing your own meat and all that stuff. Isn't it kind of a weird concept that people just like buy meat from the store, like all the time now. And they just like have, they're just like removed completely from it. I mean, that's like a new concept, right? I mean, that's, I mean, like hundred years thing is, ago, is no one, I, I don't think people don't even think about it being weird because they literally don't even think about it. Yeah. You know, like to, to most, you know, like, I. I have people that are like, ooh, you eat a deer, like just a wild animal. That's yeah, so gross. And it's like, really? Like, because I know exactly what that deer was eating and what happened from its last breath to my first bite. I said, that steak you got, how many people touched that thing? Was it cleaned? And what kind of place was it cleaned? What kind of condition was that cat? How long has that thing even been dead? <laughs> and then they can't answer any of these questions. I'm like, well, that's pretty gross. You know, if you think about that, that's what's gross. <coughs> I get kind of weirded out at meat at the grocery store. We don't, um, I'll admit I buy, we get maybe a bag of chicken or something, but I'll be honest. I can't hardly stand to buy beef. I haven't bought beef at the grocery store and I can't even, it's been years. It just kind of, it I weirds me out. I guess I how people bacon. are weirded out about venison. Yeah, I buy chicken and I buy bacon because I, I don't shoot them myself. Um, and, you know, we, we try to even shop at local farm stands and markets and everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I know <clears throat> right up the street, the, all, all the beef that they sell at their market there is their own beef. I mean, you can look at the cows right outside and see the <laughs> conditions they're in and everything else. And all the pork comes from a farm right down the road. If you wanted, you could go visit the farm and take a look around. And, you know, you, you know where your meat's coming from. Yeah. No, nobody's trying to hide where these cows have been eaten and stuck right. in with 14 other, you know, ones that, yeah. Or just being fed stuff that they're yeah. maybe not naturally supposed to eat. Um, you know, at least deer they are as natural as you're getting. I mean, they are eating natural, wild growing. You don't get more organic and natural than that. So this just brought up a question that I've been wanting to talk with somebody for a while. So we're going <laughs> to jump gonna into good. this. <laughs> what about GMOs and deer eating GMO fields like bean fields and all that stuff? Um, it's It's unavoidable. It's, yeah. it's inevitable, but if you're eating the shit out of the GMO field, why should you be worried about the deer eating out of it? Um, you know, uh, would I like to see that not around? Yeah. Um, you know, even, even the, the garden that we plant, we plant heirloom seeds, you know, non-GMO to heirloom seeds. Um, but you know, it's, you, you can't avoid it. I mean, unless you're in a place where there just simply isn't agriculture. Um, but, you know, you, you still, what can you get that's more organic, more healthy, and more natural than that? I mean, yeah, you can't. I, it can't be, yeah. I agree with you. It, it, yeah. It's not as good, but it, it, it's definitely better than... Well, and I mean, you could argue that if you have organic beef that's only fed organic things that are non-gmo'd and whatever but okay 
but it's not necessarily more natural because you're only eating exactly what you're feeding them. They're not natural browsing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I think it's as close as you, you're going to get, it, it, you know, a whitetail. Or, I mean, if you look at a moose or an elk, yeah, you know, most, they're not in places of agriculture. So that's, you're getting true, you know, even GMO crop fed free, you know, wild <laughs> organic meat. But yeah, a lot of venison does, um, you know, eat agriculture. So were you born and raised in Maryland? I was actually born in Pennsylvania, right on the other side of the Maryland line and uh, spent first few years growing up in a place called Susquehanna trails. And when I lived there, they were, they, you know, they were literally trails. Like (laughs) there there wasn't, there wasn't mail service back there. There wasn't no roads getting plowed. There was no trash service. I mean, my parents had a little a frame house off off of a trail. Uh, And uh, then I moved to Maryland when I was about five and I've been here since. What's the what's the hunting? What's the deer hunting like in Maryland? I've never been to Maryland. I couldn't it's even. One tell of you the things that keeps me in Maryland, like. man. Um, I tell you what, I'm not a big fan of the people in Maryland. I think most of them are assholes. I'll just be honest. <laughs> um, they, they seem to be some of the most inconsiderate people you'll you'll come across. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great folks too, but <laughs> if you want to just talk about general population, nobody's got time for anyone else or, or any consideration for anyone else. And I don't really get down with that. But the hunting and the wildlife and you know some of the good people is what keep me here. Um you know the county right next to me it's unlimited doe harvest. Oh. Um so just with your general tag, your general license, you can go out and harvest as many does as you want in some of those counties. Um, you know, generally you get about like three bucks, you know, and that's wow. if you're hunting all year round and you buy your bonus tags and, and everything else and, you know, hunting the different uh, weapon classes and seasons. Um, so, yeah, it's there's a lot of good hunting in Maryland. Do you know what an out-of-state tag costs there by top of your head? Honestly, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. But when you buy your license, it comes with a buck tag. It comes with your doe tags. It comes with a turkey tag. So, um, you know, if you you kill a buck, you can buy a bonus buck tag. But it's not like uh, a lot of states where it's like, well, now I have my license. Now I got to buy my deer tag. No, it's like if you if you buy your Maryland license, you automatically have a buck tag for bow season. If you don't use it in bow season, you can use that buck tag in muzzleloader. If you don't use it in muzzleloader, you can use that buck tag in firearm. Hmm. So it's kind of, you know, they, they do outfit you pretty well. Um, it ain't necessarily cheap. I mean, I pay. It's. You know, it's not bad compared to a lot of states, but I'm paying, you know, 200 some bucks after I've bought my license and my extra stamps and, 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 you know, bow tag and that kind of shit. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear what other states cost and everything. Oh, they're all so different. And I tell you, that's one of the things, like I said, I, I had some, when I went to expand learning hunting and then I would get so confused. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, 
You know, you go to one state to another and read their regulations and this and that. And, you know, there's even spots in Maryland. Well, if you're on this side of that road, now you're only allowed, you know, there is no doe hunting all year long. But if you're on that side, it's unlimited doe harvest. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot to learn. And, and when you start getting called up, uh, you know, looking at other states and everything else, it's difficult, um, especially when I started. You know, you, you know, you couldn't just look on the Internet and go find unlimited resources. You didn't have a Facebook page to ask, hey, who hunts here? You know, you kind of called DNR and hope that he gave you good information. <laughs> I mean, cause I've gotten bad information from DNR agents too. And been in spots where I later found out, no, I shouldn't have been. And also found out you, you really mean I could have been hunting that the whole time. I specifically asked and they told me no. Um, so it, it's, it's different now. Um, you, you have a lot of resources now. I almost feel like, uh, there's enough resources out there and enough research that, you know, people should really be by the books now before I think there was more gray area. Cause it was yeah. how things are written. I mean, some of the things, how they're written now, even I read it six times and I'm like, I'm still not quite sure what they're saying here. Um, but you got unlimited resources to reach out to now. Yeah. It's funny how they write up the laws too. I had to call, um, we got some, public not too far from my house i'd call the other day because i couldn't figure out from reading their script if i could shoot does on the property or not so i read it four or five times it's like saying i can shoot does and i can shoot does which season you can't shoot does and i end up having to call them and still after i talked to the woman she's like oh yeah you can but i was like she didn't sound too sure about it so now i'm right. thinking like if i shoot this doe and just happen to be pulling it out and the game warden shows up and i'm like well Susie told me I could shoot this doe. He's like, yeah, sure she did. So, well, like yeah, in, uh, in, you know, I, this, uh, a friend of mine, this happened to, uh, in Maryland, you're allowed to hunt coyotes year round. Okay. Um, and there's a certain part of the year where you're allowed to hunt them at night. Okay. Um, but basically it's open season on coyotes. You know what I mean? And, uh, he shot a coyote in a state park. And, um, it's an archery deer only park. Okay. So he actually got written a fine cause he shot a coyote and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're pretty much just legal to shoot everywhere, but that specific place, it was not just a public land open to hunting. It was a public land open to whitetail archery only. Well, Literally, a road separates it from a different named state park where he would have been completely legal to do so because they allow squirrel hunting and small game and firearms and other type of fur bear hunting and stuff as well. So it's, you know, you just really got to look into the regulations. Um, it's tough. It's tough sometimes. And, you know, uh, I get overwhelmed with shit as it is. So sometimes it, it, if it gets too confusing, I, I won't lie. It pushes me away from it or I'll, you know, reach out to people smarter than me yeah. and say, what's going on with this or contact your local DNR officer or the local officer in that area and get a name. You know, that's the other thing I learned is it, I'll be like, well, 
I had DNR officer. I called and they told me this. Who told you that? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I called and then, you know, you're just yeah. blowing smoke out your ass. Now you're like, no, I called on the 13th and I talked to officer, whoever, and he informed me, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now we can assess the situation and, and where to proceed. They know um, that you weren't, they know all yeah. that. They know you're not trying to do, um, you know, and it, and, stuff. yeah. And it, it's a weird thing with DNR, you know, a lot of people look at them as the enemy and it's, you know, that sucks because, you know, most of these DNR officers, agents, whatever they're named in your area, they're wildlife hunters and fishermen and everything else, just like us. It, they didn't do it just because, oh, what do I think I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> no, it's because of their love of the outdoors and everything else. Now, unfortunately, some of them do get tainted with the power and the authority and, mm-hmm. and they flex it and use it or, you know, they give people fines for honest mistakes and everything. But for the most part, you know, I find the same with the police. If you're honest and you're respectful, you'll usually get treated pretty well. The, you, you know, if you're honest and respectful, usually, you know, get fairness. <laughs> um, so I, I, I try not to look at them as enemies like a lot of people do. I'll put you on the spot here. I don't know what kind of answer I'm going to get. You, have uh, you ever uh, had any bad go. run-ins with the with a conservation officer? Or game oh, game? absolutely. I had a conservation officer lie in fucking court. And when I oh, see wow. him, I will video it and I will bring <laughs> it up to him and say, do you remember me when we went to court and you lied to the judge? And when I brought it up to the judge, all he says, we, we will not question the, um, uh, the rightfulness of our officer or integrity. That's what yeah. we, the officer of our integrity is not in question. I'm like, well, he just lied to you twice. And I can tell you both things he lied about. Um, and one of them was apparently in the state of Pennsylvania, I believe the game wardens aren't allowed to be vision impaired. Okay. So I noticed in the courtroom, he doesn't have glasses. And I said, well, don't you, don't you wear glasses? Well, I only read them, wear them for reading. I'm like, well, how come when we were in the field, you were wearing them? And now that you're here in the courtroom, looking at paperwork, reading, you're not wearing them. Mm, That's attention to detail. And then the attorney says, well, we'd like to push for the lowest fines on this case. I'm like, no, he's lying about what happened. He wrote me a (laughs) ticket for not wearing an orange hat. Okay. And the law states you do not have to have an orange hat. You have to have orange 360 degrees around. And I had an orange band. And okay. he said, no, like that doesn't work. You have to wear an orange hat. Okay. So he wrote me a fine for not wearing an orange hat. How much was it? Uh, it was like 280 bucks, especially because I was out of state. Okay. I was pissed. Okay. And when I went in, I said, no, don't you remember this? He's like, well, I think there was some yellow or something. I said, yellow or something? Are you sure it wasn't orange or something? (laughs) And then that's when I brought up about, you know, why aren't you wearing glasses now? And, you know, but who am I? I'm going up against law officers and an attorney. So, yeah, I have had some bad run-ins. So, you know, and I've had some bad run-ins with police, too. But I'm not going (laughs) to. treat all police or I'm not going to treat all officers as if 
they were that guy. You know, um, I'm going to give them respect and I'm going to give them honesty. And hopefully I get that respect and honesty in return with him. I clearly did not. I did not get either. But, um, you know, I'm not going to carry that on over. That, did yeah. you, did the fine get reduced? It got pushed to the lowest yeah. that they could impose, but I still had to pay the court fees. I still had to take a day off work and not get paid. I still had to drive up to the state of Pennsylvania. And now I have uh, a merit on my, you know, on my name as for doing something illegal that I was completely not. It was a misinterpretation of him of the law and then he he wouldn't back down on it he literally chose to lie in court instead of admitting his interpretation of the law was wrong hope he catches this podcast yeah i'll i'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll drop it off to him <laughs> uh does that affect you getting a license there Having i don't think it, it affects me getting a license um maybe if something else were to happen it would i'm guess if you have so many points or merits or whatever but if i go to deal with another officer and he looks me up he's going to say oh well this guy already has violations and that's how he's going to approach me is here's a guy that has previous violations mm-hmm. when that's not true um you know and i don't know if it carries to other states you know if another state looks me up are they going to say oh well he's got a he's got violations you know, I'm not sure. It's unfair. I know that. <laughs> it's bullshit. Complete bullshit. I, uh, <clears throat> I've only had one issue one time. I was out actually frog gigging in a stripper pit, um, which is like an old, um, like strip mine for coal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I was out there by myself and I was maybe a half a mile, um, from like the like the pull in or whatever but there's not a lot of trees because it had only been like i don't know 10 or 15 years so the trees are like real small so you can see real far at nighttime well i seen somebody pull in and i was like man but that could be a game warden and i was like nah, it's probably just a car you know it's like a fish and wildlife area a lot of crazy stuff goes on there at nighttime so i'm just kind of like right. whatever so i gig this frog and this might even been before instagram was a thing i don't know but i'm taking a picture of this frog and next thing i know this guy uh, you know i got the light shining down i'm like trying to take a picture of this frog i got this real bad camera trying to zoom in he goes he gets about i don't know five yards from me and he goes he like pops out of the bushes i never did hear him he goes hey what are you doing i like immediately turn around like i'm getting ready to get robbed or something you know it was a game warden and he tried to uh he tried to ticket me for um, here. You're you're not allowed to have a frog gig that's wider than three inches. Um, it can have as many prongs. As, I mean, it could have um, a thousand prongs on it as long as it's not not any wider than three inches. But um, he tried to ticket me for the amount of prongs on it, and uh, he was cool. We ended up looking at the uh, I don't know if he was new or what, but we looked at the reg book, and sure enough, he was wrong. <laughs> and I ended up, you know, I was in the right, and I'm glad that he didn't like just write me a ticket and take offense to me, like wanting to show him the reg books, but right. it turned out he, he was a cool guy, but it, it, I don't know. I, it could have went a totally different way. Had he just wrote me a ticket? I mean, how am I going to prove it? You know, I'm like, I went into court completely confident because I was written a ticket for not wearing an orange hat and the rule book stated it doesn't have to be an orange hat. It tells you you just have to have visible orange 360 degrees around. And I did. 
And it, so he just wouldn't admit <laughs> that he misinterpreted the law and whatever. So I, um, maybe I'm just out of the loop, but why do I never hear about anybody going to Maryland to hunt deer? Maryland is a smaller state. Um, Maryland people are dicks, like I told you, but um, <laughs> there, there is like in Western Maryland, you're not going to find very big deer. There's not a lot of agriculture. Um, it's mountainous. There's, I mean, compared to the rest of the state, there's not even a very large deer population. Um, and it's, it's tough hunting out there. It, it's big woods, big tracks, little, little bits of agriculture. So it can be tough hunting. Um, then once you get into the agriculture, start getting down in, into the more uh, central part of the state, you get a lot of agriculture. Um, it's pretty good hunting. It's decent. Then the Eastern Shore, back in, I believe it was the 50s or 60s, they almost lost most of the deer. And um, they actually brought deer in from Ohio and Michigan. And so the Eastern Shore kind of has this pocket <laughs> of different genetics and holds some, some real hammers. Um but the Maryland has been known, you know, as uh, the sportsman's paradise because we've got we've got the fishing in the bay, you know, the rock fishing and everything else. We, we we're right off to where you can go out to the ocean for, you know, the tuna and all that kind of fishing and everything. We've got good whitetail hunting. We've got some, you know, in the western part of the state and in the eastern part of the state, there's pretty good turkey hunting. Um you know, decent deer, great duck hunting because of all the marsh areas along the eastern shore and the bay. And, um, you know, we're, we're considered the goose capital of the world right here in the middle of the Atlantic Flyway. Um, so we've got, you know, some of everything. Like, we don't have the biggest deer, but we, we've got some good ones. And, you know, especially in those eastern portions of the state or... Um, or if you get down toward like DC and the richer counties where you have real big neighborhoods and real big homes and not a lot of hunting going on where deer can just grow old. Nothing grows deer bigger than age time, you know? Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely some good deer around the state. Let me, let me, that brought something else up. I want to talk about, have you ever tried to, I've always wondered this. I, I've, years ago it was kind of a corny tv show and i can't remember the name of it but these guys would go to those rich like neighborhoods and get permission to hunt and like um subdivision they'd kill yep. all kinds of deer and stuff yeah done anything like that yeah i mean i've uh, yeah some of the properties i've killed deer have only been like a half acre oh. um you know when you're bow hunting i don't care if you got you know, 20, 30 acres or 200, all you need is that good 20 yards. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just need that perfect 20 yards. Um, you know, I, I, I know a guy, if you were to look at his wall, you would think he was one of the most impressive whitetail hunters out there. His trophy wall is impressive. He is not a very good hunter. He doesn't know anything about wind. He doesn't know anything about the moon. None of that stuff. He has an amazing pinch point 
in this in between these two big rich neighborhoods Hmm. they're used to smelling people they're used to people walking through the woods everything else and he's the only one that's got permission to hunt so (laughs) he 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 kills great deer every year you would think he was a great whitetail hunter but no he's he's got a really good spot um but yeah i mean i've killed deer you know i've even had deer die like you know, in people's yards and stuff. And, you know, the way it is here in Maryland, if, if you have permission, I think it, it used to be a hundred yards for bow hunting. It's been reduced to 50 yards from an occupied dwelling. Um, mm. But, you know, it, there was a neighborhood I used to hunt the back of it. Uh, the back of the, uh, of the court went backed up to a, uh, a, uh, state park that you weren't allowed to hunt at all nothing so them being at the back of the court so many deer would just skirt their backyard well i even had to get permission from her two neighbors because of how close i was to their house even though i wasn't hunting their property um but i got tired of that i because then it's like now i'm doing things to try to get the deer here to me instead of Mm. me going to them and that that's kind of what i was talking about earlier and why most of those places i don't even hunt anymore and i know i could probably still go back and get permission and you know there there was one of the spots we would kill at least 10 deer a year from the same tree and we did that for over 10 years um you know yeah 10 deer from the same tree 10 years in a row and saying 10 is probably conservative because some years it was probably closer (laughs) to 20 um it was just a really good spot, but I kind of, I don't know. I got tired of that. Like it's, um, I like getting out there and searching and setting new spots and everything instead of just kind of waiting for the same old wood I'm used to. I really like the, um, I really like getting out and just getting away from everything and not hearing people's dogs bark and, you know, like searching and trying new spots and stuff. But man, I'd love to have me a spot where I could just go and, shoot 10 does you know we, just we used stock, to do, stock up we on just meat. call it the meat market yeah like i'm heading to the meat market tonight because it, it was i mean we might see you know out of you know i say we killed 10 deer a year it usually we didn't even kill one buck a year there you know um you know we'd see some young ones and every now and then you'd see one real good one go through whatever but you know for the most part it was does and young bucks and you know neighborhood dwelling deer that you know we're filling the freezer with them um, the, the show that i was um referencing they they um kind of like base it around all these people were like hated all the deer because they were like overran with deer. They'd eat all their roses. There are certainly like the, the one place, um, you know, the lady actually got upset with me because she, she knew I was there and a couple young bucks walked through the yard and she's like, why didn't you shoot them? And actually I had already tagged the buck and I didn't have another bow tag. And I was like, I can't leave. She's like, I told you to kill everything. I'm like, I will kill everything I legally can. And I, <laughs> I can't legally shoot them. And one year I might have told her I already killed my tag because I wasn't going to burn a tag on a young buck like that. But, you know, there are people that, you know, they, they'll destroy, you know, why, why are they going to eat just what's out here when they got all this perfect vegetation growing nice and green and lush right on the side of your house? <laughs> 
I'm uh, I'm searching for one of those neighborhoods, but we got too much ag around here. The deer are in the cornfields and the bean fields, but I'm keeping right. my eye out. I've been running over Onyx quite a bit, looking for big subdivisions. Well, I tell you, one of, of uh, one of the spots right now where I've got a a pretty decent buck. I I look at him on camera and I go back and forth. I've got trail cam videos of him. Um, he's big. He's wide. He's a big old big eight, um, but he's got really, really short G3s to where he almost looks like a 20-some inch wide six-pointer. Um, I think he's only a three-year-old, though, so it's one I got to see on the hoof to really make a decision on. But how I located him um, off of the property that I'm hunting that's about 150 acres there's a little finger of woods that breaks off of that property and goes up in between a couple houses and then kind of a neighborhood lane and road. And I thought, man, if I was a deer, I'd want to bed right up in that ditch in between these neighborhoods and all. And I've been catching a pretty good one filtering out of there recently. So um, I'm going to be on him soon gonna hold off on him or are you gonna take him this year i don't know i'm gonna have to yeah. see him on the hoof he's one of those ones that if he made it another year he would be exceptional but you know this property that i'm talking about i'm not the only one with permission on it i believe there's four other guys and they've got i think i counted 11 tree stands all with the corn pile 20 yards out in front it's tough hunting it's pressure oh, it's, it's a baiting yeah. eagle there yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Barely, it, it, baiting is legal on private grounds. Yes, okay. not public grounds, but mm -hmm. on private grounds. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to these deer, big deer are snaking in between them and their spots and everything. So that's what I'm trying to do is snake <laughs> in between them and their spots like the big deer are doing and find them. And, and I've, I've, I've located uh, a couple good ones there. Um, but we'll see what happens with it. I um, I had per, I had a one I had two private permissions uh, a couple years ago that I lost. Farmer's daughter got married, or was yeah, farmer's daughter got married, and I lost it to son-in-law. So I have no private permissions now. I sent out twenty-three letters last night. It's the first time I've ever done it. Um, not random properties, but properties that I scouted on Onyx, and I knew that I could without one end of their driveway and bothering them all the time and how do you get permissions um to these like subdivision -y areas and how do you not make them mad like pulling up to their house at 4 a.m and shining your headlights and their you know drive driveway right. and all that stuff um do you knock on their doors and you're like hey i want to shoot all your deer how do you, where do you well sometimes you know if if you if, especially if it's a neighborhood you see a lot of deer or if it's a neighborhood that like pushes up against a big park or against another big chunk of woods. Um, you know, one of the things I'll do is I'll try to find what looks like the best piece in there, you know, like wh which one has the best pinch or funnel at it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'll start. And usually what I'll say is, some of your other neighbors are having issues with deer <laughs> and, and I'm looking to do so and going to help them with the problem was wondering if I could get permission here as well. 
So then you kind of already give them the thought that, well, my neighbors are doing it too. But the other thing, and this is one of the things I, I, I think may be most important that I always say, I was wondering if I could have permission to bow hunt. Hmm. Don't just say I'm wondering if I could hunt because their first thought, some random person outside their house with a gun. Mm-hmm. And most people will be shut down immediately by that. But if you say, I was wondering if I could have permission to bow hunt, and most of them will say, just a bow. And that's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, and so I was like, I don't care if you use a cannon, you know, what, whatever. <laughs> I hate these deer. Just get them out of here. Yeah. Um, but I've had, you know, people get highly offended and offensive and everything else, too. You never know. Um, and it's not very easy for me anymore. Just the way I look and fuck tattoos and <laughs> everything. People see me knocking on the door and they're, you know, usually scared to answer now. So I don't get a lot of door knocking done. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, and I, I'll be honest, I've had probably not even probably definitely more interrupted and ruined hunts on private ground where no one should be than I have on public, mm-hmm. whether it be some random person walking their dog or, you know, just some random dogs running through without anyone walking them or, you know, someone riding their four wheeler in the woods and, you know, you ain't supposed to be there. But, you know, all that I have had so many more interactions and ruined hunts on private land that that's what I was really like, well, what do I got to lose going to public? Yeah. And that's when I really started getting back into public land wars because I was tired of hunting the same places, having to hunt them so strategically because of how rarely the deer might actually be there and moving it and having to work so hard to get those deer there that I was like, you know, I'm better going to better spots, even if I got to work harder. And that's really what, what I did. What is the public land access like in Maryland? Is there a lot of it? It's all different. Um, in some areas, there's very little. Um, in some areas, there's a fair amount but they're small little five ten acre pieces all over the place very and then if you up. get into western maryland i mean there's some some big areas but like one of the reservoirs near me i think it's about 1200 acres which is you know it's a lot of ground um so that there's definitely some public land opportunities and there's there's some decent deer on public lands um one thing that you know, there's a piece of public that I figure out. I, I would see deer every time I was there. Every mm-hmm. time I was there, I would have does, but I never saw a buck. And I would see buck sign during the rut. And what I basically figured out is, well, because of the walking trails and everything else that are also on this public land, the does and the fawns, they'll tolerate the people walking the trails and being bumped around in a little bit, the bucks simply weren't, they are not tolerating that intrusion. They are not betting there. They're not staying there, but there's a heavy concentration of does. So when the time is right, Mm -hmm. I mean, 
Like, better be there know, during the run. E- even if you don't like going to the club and listening to that kind of music, hey, when the <laughs> girls are dancing and the time is right, you're going to the club. I mean, it, 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 it's just they can't help it. They're going to show up. But um, so it's all different. You know, it, 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 it really is. Um, you know, and it's all public land that I hunt for these sick of deer and everything. And it's totally, completely different than even entering the whitetail woods. I mean, it, it's all marsh and you better have hip waders or you ain't getting nowhere. Um, it, it's completely different type of hunting. What is a, what is a big whitetail there? Like body wise and I guess rack size or what's a, what's a, maybe this would be better. What, what's an average size? Like if you shoot a doe or maybe just like a, a buck weight. I mean, like uh, I'd say your average doe on the hoof is probably 110 120 um i mean now you you do get some bigger and you you know it's it's not the biggest um you know i would say an average good buck in maryland like i mean 140 is is a good deer you know real good deer um 125s and 130s are probably the average and common um for the guys that are you know like hunting yeah. for, for for deer but you know there's been some 200s from maryland but uh um almost all the records and big deer like that come from a small area um hmm. yeah because like i mentioned you know deer were imported and there's a completely different gene pool in a part of the state that's kind of separated by the bay from the rest of the state um so it, it's there's definitely different animals down there uh, is there a lot of outfits that are run around that um there are definitely know. there are definitely some but it's also uh it's smaller um and being cut off from a lot for a long time it's kind of the whole area is a lot more small town type if that makes sense yeah and a lot of the ground is already leased or Mm -hmm. you know the farmers hunt it it's it's quite difficult um and especially being like i said you know the goose capital of the world and the maryland flyway there's so many farms that are leased out for waterfowl hunting that then, you know, they're not leasing the rights to then a deer hunter too, you know, and having conflicts and everything. So it's tough to find any private ground um, down there, but you know, have you ever tried? Not really because um, just distance for me, oh, you know, okay. if, like for me to go hunt these sick of deer, I got a minimum of a two and a half hour drive. Mm. So if I plan on doing a morning hunt, I basically have to leave the house by about one o'clock. Mm. Um, you know, early. yeah, I mean, getting up at one o'clock and you figure, you know, the sun ain't even up until seven, you know, I've got a pretty good day in before my hunt even starts. Mm. By the time I drive down there, get my gear ready and like i said it's different gear going sick of hunting and everything and then by the time you get all the way out in these spots where they are and past where most of the people that are hunting public are and everything else it's a long day before it even starts um i would definitely like to find some private ground down there for sure 
Um, but uh, I'm really soon, right about now, really, I'm going to start hitting some public ground for whitetail down there uh, and just true mobile hunting. Find out where I can park. I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to put that 0.5 and lone wolf on my back and I'm going to hit the woods and say, oh, this this is the sign I'm looking to see and set up and see what happens. When uh, when does your bow season start there? October 1st? Is it like? Uh, no, it started this year was, I think, the 11th, September 11th, I believe. Okay. So, so yeah, we're, we're generally mid-September for for like two or three years. Maybe it was a couple of years longer than that. They were doing the first week of September, which was nice because everything was kind of still a little more in that bed feed summer pattern. And mm -hmm. you, you got to see and get a crack at some more velvet deer, which was pretty nice. I've never killed a velvet buck. Um, you know, the only velvet opportunities I've had either – just didn't get the shot or they were just smaller deer i wasn't looking to put a tag on but um yeah for the most part it's, it's mid-september is it what's the weather like there in mid-september usually or, hot yeah, <laughs> yeah. actually i, I couldn't believe it i went out to uh ohio for opening day and it was like i was cold oh I mean, really it, it, the second day it was 45 degrees in the morning Oh, wow. And it was like, man, I'm not used to this for opening day, <laughs> September. Like, I mean, I've been there in November and mm -hmm. it was those temperatures, you know? So, um, but yeah, Maryland, it's, we go, we, we have a saying in Maryland, if you don't like the weather, just wait till tomorrow. I mean, it'll be, that sounds, that sounds like Southern Indiana. <laughs> we, we go anywhere from a hundred to zero. We're zero to a hundred. We're, wherever somewhere in there <laughs> so i want to i want to transition to hunting iguanas i caught some of that <laughs> on your instagram page and i have to touch on it i know it's not deer related or whatever for everyone hey, man, i do i do a lot more than just white tails man i'm yeah. like i said i'm just outdoor obsessed really um where do you hunt iguanas at miami florida um, um I had a uh, feeling uh, it was in Florida. Oh, uh, of course. All the crazy shit happens in Florida, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, uh, Captain Donovan Tate, arrow assault bow fishing. He is the man. Um, he uses Tim Wells, Slockmaster blowguns, and that's what we hunt them with. Um, you essentially, it's a blowgun with a reel, a uh, mm -hmm. couple eyelets and a reel attached to it. And the iguanas are insane down there like they are everywhere everywhere <laughs> like I, I i didn't realize it um they're everywhere and they destroy everything because mm -hmm. they're either eating everyone's flowers and they're shitting all over their yards or all over their porches and their fecal matter can carry salmonella and some mm -hmm. other bacterias um or they're digging holes into the banks and the hills, oh. which is causing erosion on all, all the all the edges and all the riparian zones. So they actually do a lot of damage. Um, so are they native? No. What um, it 
I believe I'm sure some got released by people as well, but what happened with a lot of those invasive, especially reptile species that are down there between the snakes and the lizards that are loose in Florida was a, a a massive reptile center was taken out in one of the hurricanes Mm. and then released and often breeding pairs into the wild down there. Um, so the iguanas are are not native, no, um, but the, they're it, they're pretty fun. I mean, it, it was definitely something interesting, something fun. Like I, I had a blast doing it. Not Is that the lie. first? That's the first time you've ever hunted them? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, I just wanted to go do it, and uh, you know. Captain Nick Mather, working class outdoorsman. He was like, Hey, we're going down to see Donovan. I was like, I'm in, dude. Let, let's do it. So, yeah, we, we got some good video and everything. Oh, that's another video. I have awesome footage from that trip, and I still haven't got it put together yet. Do you have to have tags to shoot those? I believe, don't quote me, but I believe on public land, if you're on public land, you don't even need a license to kill the iguanas huh yeah they they need them dead and that was one of the things i thought was kind of crazy is like we're going down some of these canals in miami where the canal may only be you know eight ten yards wide and then it's people's backyards and houses like Mm -hmm. right there and i remember when we were coming down so i saw the this lady get her dogs and take them inside and everything. And at first I was like, Oh, that, you know, they're sketchy. And I was like, Oh no, they're doing it. So you shoot the iguanas that are on their fence and you don't <laughs> have to worry about their dogs. Like, you know, most of these people, they want these damn things. Some of them taken out and called. It's just, they're everywhere and they're destroying shit. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. It, it, I, I wasn't, quite sure like you know when you're literally right in someone's backyard shooting stuff but most of the people they realize the people that live there realize that it's a problem you know so, so if, you, if you live in maryland the deer are a problem if you live in florida right there's the always a problem right. here here the problem we got this the snakeheads the snakeheads in the water and they're they're our, our big invasive species problem really and any even these sika you know are uh invasive species they came from japan they're not native um a guy bought like six of them from a traveling circus or some shit and <laughs> when he got tired of hearing them and tired of feeding them he released them onto an island and uh they swam as, in the- yep as I I guess I shouldn't say that. I'm not sure if someone transported them from the island to mainland or if they swam it. Can't really tell you, but you know they got into the salt marshes and they've kind of taken and taken hold there. It's pretty cool. Uh, how many iguanas can you kill? As many as you want. Yeah. As many as you want. Yep. <laughs> we 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 killed a good number of them too, and they're good eating, dude. It's it. Oh. A- that was getting they're ready like, to be my next question. They're like, you eat the legs. At first, I thought you'd eat the tail like an alligator. Yeah. You know, that's what I was saying. I'm like, oh, they probably got this big, meaty tail. But you know how an iguana's tail can break off mm. and then they can regrow it? You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. 
So the way the bone structure and like the cartilage is in the tail, it's not a big fat meaty tail like an alligator, like what I thought it would yeah. be. Um, it's the legs. They're just big fat chicken legs, man. But it, they're big fat bullfrog legs. I, I was mean, getting ready to ask you, is it comparable to eating a bullfrog? It, it's I like salty, it's like salty chicken, and it's it's pretty much like a frog leg, like just a giant frog leg. Yeah, they were good, man. They were good. That's kind of making me hungry. Are they hard <laughs> to clean? Are they hard to clean? Not too bad. Yeah. No, I mean the the skin. It's not the skin. Once you cut it, it kind of because the skin's kind of tough. Yeah, it's you can kind of just pull it, and it you know you kind of pull the meat out of it because the skin's kind of tough. You just, yeah, wasn't too bad cleaning them, but they're they're kinda, pretty good. You just kind of slicing them. I imagine maybe you slice them at the back like you would a squirrel or something. Yeah, kind of slice up the back of the leg and then just, you know, it it wants to separate, but their skin's so tough. It's not like, you know, like a rabbit, like the the fur will rip real easy. You just put a hole in it or poke your finger right through it. No, this is pretty tough, so you just kind of work it back with a slice. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's not not too bad, yeah. How big are they? Um Like a I mean, we we killed some that were six foot. No um, kidding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if going down there with Donovan, you know, if you want a trophy, he's even got some guys that that'll mount them and everything, and uh, they're badass. Uh, you know, I was going to, but I said, uh, you know, I'm going to take my girlfriend down there sometime to do it. And I said instead of me getting one mounted from this trip i'll i'll wait until we go down and you know we'll, we'll just target a giant and, and that's what we do you know at some point we were like fuck it let's just have fun let's get some footage let's put a melee on them and we were just pretty much shooting everyone we saw and then we're like all right let's go for some bigger ones and you're literally might pass a hundred of them wow and then you're like oh there's a big one in that tree you know or Oh, you know, there's a big one on that rock shoal right there. Like, but yeah, you may pass a hundred of them until you see, be like, oh, there, there's a five and a half, maybe six footer. Let's go after him. How um, much? How how many people can a six foot iguana feed? Well, I mean, you're only getting the legs. Yeah. So you kind of is it about the like a six four, foot iguana? Maybe four the big size chicken of a, legs. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a chicken leg size. Then yeah, yeah. yeah. You think like a you know. Like like a, a a nice sized buffalo wings, you know what I mean? But like pretty good sized chicken legs, yeah. <laughs> oh man! Uh, so what's it like to fight one of those things? I imagine Dude, they're that pretty, they're pretty cool. I mean, some of they're such dinosaurs. Like yeah, some of them you would hit with the dart, and I mean, like one I have epic footage of it too. Just straight double long and heart shot with with these razor darts uh, from the blowgun and i mean it just takes it like a champ right through like it wasn't even hitting it's just sitting there bleeding out and even bleeding out its mouth and it's just like whatever (laughs) and then some of them you hit and i mean they jump they can swim exceptionally well too which a lot of people don't know iguanas are great swimmers so you hit one and it's taking off running down the bank. So, and they got big talons. So they're digging either into the rocks or the grass or whatever. And you got to rip them off the bank. 
And then once you rip them off the bank and you got them in the water, now they're just spiraling and flipping out and getting everything tangled. But, you know, it, it's fun. And they do put up a fight. <laughs> does it, they, uh, is your blowgun have a string like a bow fishing reel does? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's essentially like, imagine you just took your fishing rod, right? Mm -hmm. And you cut it off after the second or third eye. Okay. And then you cut the butt off. So now it's hollow. Okay. And you tie a string to the dart and you muzzle load it. Okay. You know, you put the dart muzzle loaded and yeah, it's, it just, whack them and then you got the blowgun to use like a rod and then you're reeling them in <laughs> it's pretty it, it's as any, much fun as it sounds it's is there any awful. kind of sights on it or is this kind of free no we didn't have any um it's actually i, I think pretty easy especially if you're used to shooting a bell or anything and you just yeah. kind of have that natural mm -hmm. you know instinctive shooting i guess you'd say but um you know one of the new products that tim wells just came out with is a laser sight that goes on the blowgun so you'll be able to hold it out and just kind of have the laser sight and send it um it's pretty it's going to be pretty awesome i haven't got to play with it just yet but that's one of the new products do they get skittish when you shoot one there's like one i don't know you know there's so away? there's so many of them and nothing they don't have predators or anything really that for the most part they don't give a shit yeah. Like a lot of times you can pull the boat. You, okay. Let me rephrase. If you're on a boat, they didn't seem to give a shit. You could pull up five yards, three yards from them. And they just kind of like, when the hell's this guy want? <laughs> but it seems like if you, they don't let you get that close. If you try to approach them on land, you can still get close enough to blow gun them and everything else. And, whatever but uh yeah the way he hunts them on a boat they're not really too skittish because i guess because they see enough boat traffic and mm -hmm. they just what who's out there shooting blowgun shooting iguanas with blowguns come on man <laughs> you know they got nothing to worry about <laughs> we're gonna get a little graphic here but how do you dispatch them because i imagine they're not all dead just a little, you know, just like bowfish and you got that little aluminum bat and just ting ting and you know, drop them in the cooler. No, man. That's can I go down there and hunt them? Like, uh, can I just Dude. go down there by myself and yeah, and like I said, I believe public land. Um, I believe on public lands you are allowed to kill them without even having a hunting license. Um, I know some places you can use air guns. Um, you know, don't, don't quote me on regulations yeah. and everything else down there, but yeah, you absolutely can go hunt them and take them yourself with, without having, you know, a guide or, or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's a better time to hunt them. Like, um, I know it gets, I know it's warm in Florida, but they have like a winter where it gets a little cooler. They I wonder if they're out less. They like are out something. a little less, um, you know, the, the morning sun is when they're the best cause they want to come out and get the morning sun and they're still lethargic and ready to mm -hmm. warm up. Um, so that that's good time. But if it falls, I want to say it's 50 degrees. It, it may be. Maybe it's even like 48, something like that. If it falls below like 48 degrees, they die. 
Like oh. they'll literally just start falling out of the trees dead. Hmm. But a lot of them den into the ground. Mm-hmm. They burrow. They burrow. And the ones that burrow and den, you know, uh, just like geothermal, they, they, they don't get as cold. They'll survive. But um, yeah, the, the ones just hanging out in the trees, if it gets like, I believe the guy told me it's 48 degrees, they just kind of fall out of the tree dead. <laughs> man it makes me want to load my truck up and go down there and hunt some of them dude it's cool <laughs> and there, there's a lot i mean it's florida there's all kinds of wild shit down there um one of the cooler things the shot just because I, I was mind blown at the power was the barracuda mm. i was blown away by and i i mean the barracuda i shot was maybe 30 inches i mean it was decent size but it wasn't a giant five foot four foot barracuda but it's like shooting a ferrari going the other way (laughs) like it's in front of you and then that thing is just gone um it literally like when you tighten when you lock up the drag on them like it gives you a yank and they come flying out the water i mean it it's yeah, it's like shooting a Ferrari going the other direction. Take you a long time to get them in. Um, I guess they're pretty close. Yeah, I, I mean, and they fight hard. They are not giving up. So you got to let them wear a second before you can start gaining on them. Because otherwise, if you're trying to rip while they're trying to rip, you're probably going to rip out of them. So mm-hmm. you got to, yeah, you got to kind of let them fight, fight it out of themselves for a second, and then get them in. But. Yeah, man, that, that that was definitely cool. Um, and then that, there's just so many things in Florida. They got the the uh, you know different types of snakeheads, um, clown knife fish. I mean, at the time when when I shot one of them clown knife fish, I believe I was one of like only ten people that had ever taken one of them with a boat fishing rig. Hmm. Um, and they're an exceptionally cool fish. And now he does um you know specialized we're like dude you gotta offer this but there's not a lot of them and everything else so it's like if you want to get a clown knife fish you're getting you getting one and you're going out and like you may spend it's like hunting more than bow fishing you're watching the whole time and you may get that one shot and you better be ready and you better not blow it um so yeah there's a lot of cool shit to shoot in florida so uh, I have to ask you one one last question. We're getting right at our cutoff mark. It doesn't seem like we've been talking almost two hours, but when you guys shot all these iguanas, did you go back to like a camp or like I don't know a hotel, cook them all up? How did you cook them? Did you put them on actually? Did you um, fry them. My Donovan, the captain from Arrow Assaults, a friend of mine. Um, and you know, if you book with him, he he'll have you come back and help clean everything up, get them frozen up for you, and everything. He, he he's a world class service. Um, but yeah, we we went back to his place. We cracked a couple beers. We put a couple fold out tables, and we kind of just had a little assembly line of who's chopping them, who's cleaning them, who's bagging them, and um. We've tried them a couple different ways. One of my friends, he said his favorite is he made he made them with just like taco seasoning. Hmm. Um, we made some, we breaded some, um, and fried them. They were absolutely amazing. We put some uh, some other ones. We put some like beer can chicken seasoning on and grilled them. 
absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like frog legs. You can kind of taste just like chicken. You know, it's almost <laughs> like chicken, but it's a little yeah. saltier. And, you know, it's kind of more like a frog leg than chicken. But, yeah, they're excellent, man. It's like every way we tried to cook them up, they were good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get my hands on some up. That sounds like, uh, I mean, we have frogs around here in southern Indiana, but we don't have iguanas. Dude, um, I mean, you can get a big bag of them at once, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. They're, 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 the number of iguanas are there for sure. Uh, we're we're right at the getting close to the two-hour mark, so I'll have to cut it off. Can you tell everybody um, where to find you on social media? I. I didn't um, in a little scroll bar on YouTube. I forgot to put your podcast on here too. So if you can oh, yeah, that yeah. as well for everybody that's listening, as well as your Instagram and your YouTube. Yes, yeah, um, my name's Garrett Benner. Uh, find me on Facebook, but I ain't really on there. Do too much. Instagram is where I'm kind of the most active and keep up at the underscore modern underscore assassin. Uh, YouTube the modern assassins, and then. Um, on my podcast kills it podcast you can find that on instagram just look up kills a podcast or on youtube just the same type in kills it or you know itunes and spotify all that I, i'm on all them as well um yeah i definitely gotta crank out some more podcast episodes i have people all the time ask me like when's the next one when's the next one and i just haven't you know like i said i've had a lot of things going on uh family business that i've been with for 12 years is closing up so i'm you know taking new ventures on and what i'm doing and so i'm putting a lot of grind into that right now but you know the hunting fishing and all that content i will be putting even more into coming up soon that's kind of the hopes with going on my own uh independent adventure here is getting more time to do what it is i love to do so yeah the modern assassins and kills the podcast that's where you can kind of keep up yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to catch more of those podcasts. I caught the one with uh, JJ Lawhorn. Like I said, I enjoyed it, and uh, I haven't had time to listen to the other ones, but I've got to get tuned into that. And I've got a, I saw your iguana stuff on Instagram, but I haven't caught any of the YouTube videos yet. So I might jump. Yeah, here that, and, that's and check actually those out the too. podcast that I have recorded that I haven't put out yet was with Nick and with Donovan, and I have some plugs of the video and all going on with it. So I I I've been saying i need to get that done i had a computer crash uh -oh. and all my footage and everything else and my programs were locked up for i don't know it was like six months or something stupid so i'm kind of just getting everything back and um you know that's why i didn't have anything together for an episode for whitetail addictions i was supposed to have my own episode with lone wolf whitetail addictions um, but unfortunately I literally couldn't access my footage to get it over to the guys in time for editing. So that really sucks because, you know, that is kind of a big accomplishment for me. I've always said, you know, there's, you know, very few brands or anything that I'd ever work with and Lone Wolf was one of them from day one. Um, so I feel honored to, to be working with them guys and everything else and should have had my own episode and I will, but you know, it's kind of, kind of just a, a kick, you know what I mean? By not getting it out there. That'll make it that much, much sweeter whenever you get, um, right, get it right. up on there. Yeah. Well, um, 
I appreciate you coming on and taking the time. I know it's, I don't know what time it is there. It's 10 o'clock here. So I'm sure yep, 11. Yep. Yeah. It's getting late and you got stuff to do in the morning, I'm sure. And I, I have to work in the morning. So um, again, I thank you and I'll catch up with you on Instagram guys. Make sure you check out um, his YouTube at the modern assassins and check him out on Instagram too. He's got a lot of cool content on there. Uh, you'll be amazed at some of the, some of the photos he has. Raw, so, real, uh, no bullshit, man. <laughs> no bullshit. All right, Garrett. Uh, thanks again, and I'll catch up with you soon. Cool. Thanks, Adam. Peace, yep. y'all. We'll see you.